this week on the Roommates Podcast. Make sure that you're believing things according to objective studies or just say, this is my opinion, this is how I feel. And you got to know your opinion and your feelings does not weigh in my anyone else's life besides your own. But it's also to expose the problem, but this is also to cultivate conversation about the solutions. How can we help all Americans, whether black or white, make more income in this country? How can we help all Americans, whether black, white, Asians, Hispanics, you know, experience marriage and healthier marriages? How can we remove single motherhood? How can we help the employment status? So all these things are like an x-ray to me. This episode is kind of doom and gloomish, but it's an (laughs) x-ray. It's exposing the myriad of problems in America, and especially as black Americans, we're exposing a lot of the myriad of problems in black America. And if you know the facts, you can act accordingly. Exactly. Now you can act accordingly. Now you know what to do. Now you know how to improve. Now you know how to fix the community. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Afiz from The Roommates, and I am in Dallas, Texas, guys. Traveling, meeting new people, always on the move. As you guys know, all that glitters isn't gold, so (laughs) don't overhype it. But I'm here in Dallas, and instead of getting somebody new, I decided to bring in one of the all-time favorites, a day one roommate, a producer, the COO, <laughs> whatever that means, <laughs> wears many hats. Guys, please welcome back to the show, the one and only Francis. Glad to be here, man. Yes, 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 yes. So um, the funny thing about the show is that out of everybody that I know in life, I probably talk to Francis the most. <laughs> Me and Francis are like, have the same affinity for conversations. And most people will think it's absurd where me and Francis will debate like on Thursday for three hours <laughs> off of something so stupid. But for us... Past midnight. But for us, <laughs> we, you have to get to the conclusion. Got to. You got to get there. A lot of people will be like, oh, it's over. Forget about it. With us, no, 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 no. You got to get to the conclusion as long as it takes you to get there. I had to work next morning. <laughs> 6.30 in the morning, get up to work. It was 2.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I was arguing with this man. Yes. So... I say all that because Francis is somebody who I feel like if I had a brother, Francis would be my perfect brother. No offense to my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Because Francis and me are just so similar. But what I like most about Francis is that he balances me out because he sees the world a little bit differently from me. So we have so many similarities, but we have enough differences that where he balances me out, he checks me on a lot of different things. That's why I brought him here. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies, make sure follow on Instagram. Hey, 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 stop, stop, stop. Chill, <laughs> you know chill, what chill, I mean? Chill. Sl- slide into DMs. <laughs> you get, you know, get down how you guys get down. <laughs> um, so, today's a really special episode for me and me and Francis. You know what I was thinking about doing but, before this one? I was thinking about doing the PTO one. Ooh, that's a long one. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Yep, I was thinking about doing Ooh. that. So what me and Francis are always doing, we're always like looking up different data, looking up different information, and we're always learning. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, why don't we give the audience an opportunity to learn the way we learn and to see how we process things in life? So 
Let me begin my. That was my forward. Okay. okay. <laughs> now, like, jump into my preface. So, one of the biggest things that me and Francis do, and you'll see on the show, is that we talk about a lot of different ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So, we're talking about different ideas, topics, conversations, all these things. And to me, we're always sharing points. And we're always sharing what we believe is facts. A lot of times when we share these points and share these facts, people question them. People say, oh, this isn't true. That isn't true. Whatever isn't true because everybody has a different opinion on what is a fact and what is not a fact. And the big thing that me and Francis like to do is we like to strive for objectivity. We like to strive to ensure that the conversations and the things we're bringing up are true. They're not just our personal uh, opinion based upon our feelings, but they are true facts that we've learned and we've studied and we solidified. Right. The biggest problem that we've noticed is most people believe stuff that are not facts. Most people believe stuff because they feel a certain way and it's not because they've ever done any research about it. So, for example, a lot of women will be like, most guys are like A, B, C, whatever it may be. And then you ask them, how do you know that? And the first thing they talk about is they learn that from their experience. So personal experience is one of the first ways people learn about stuff. And the problem with personal experience is it's your experience. Yeah. So when something is only my experience, the, the fundamental fact is that your experiences can be wrong. And I use a perfect example. If you are, because you got to use girls as an example, I mean, a girl-friendly example so they don't get mad. If you are a man who's been cheated on by two girlfriends, yeah, and then you conclude all women are cheaters, most girls will be like, of course all women aren't cheaters. You just happen to date cheaters, and now your experiences now shape the way you view other women. Correct? Correct. But that experience is not true. It is simply your experience. So you need to experience more other things. So for a lot of people, they believe things just because they've experienced them. And Francis and I believe that's wrong. Is something you want to expound upon that? Yeah, sure. Um, in science, this is a common thing in science. When you're trying to perform you know, an experiment and you get... Let's say you want to perform an experiment, you get like five subjects. And let's say you want to see the results. Let's say uh, you want to see if there's X or Y. And let's say five out of five uh, end up with the result of X. You can conclude that X is always going to be the answer, right? Mm -hmm. It makes sense to conclude that. Mm -hmm. However, that's not how science works. Mm -hmm. You need a bigger sample size mm -hmm. in order to show that this is actually true across the board. Not just that, you need repeated experiments of the same thing mm -hmm. to ensure that it's not just true that one time, but every time. Mm -hmm. See, most of our lives we meet like, you know, very few people compared to like the whole world. Mm -hmm. So that same, that's the story of the guy who met two girls that cheated on him. That's two out of a hundred, how much, how many billion women are there in the world? Even five billion? Probably 3.5 billion. So that's a small sample size. Yeah. That's, that's not good data. And I love that point that Francis brought up. It's a small sample size. So what, if a lot of people are honest, if you're really challenging yourself, you'll figure out that you really have not met that many people. You really don't know that many stories. A lot of people don't know what it's like 
the typical white American is like, or black American is like, or Asian American is like, or male is like, or female is like, or Muslim or Christian. Like you have not have, you, you have not gathered enough data to objectively be able to answer the question of what and how are most people like. Right. So I love that point that Francis said is that you will go ahead and you, you will not understand it because of your limited sample size. So the first thing people do, like I said, is they use their experiences. The second thing that people do is they use society slash culture. And what I mean by that, well, before I jump into that yeah, before one, that. Community. Community, yeah. Friends and yeah. friends of friends. So second thing that people do is they use community, right? And what community is, is that what my friends have experienced. So going back to that guy example is if I've been cheated on and my friends have been cheated on, then I was, then we'll we'll conclude. Oh, all four of us have the same experience. It must be true. It, it must <laughs> be true. The problem with that is that usually birds of a feather flock together. So you're usually around like-minded people. Mm -hmm. Most obviously, there's people who have diverse friends. But most of your friends are very similar to you and have similar life experiences, or they wouldn't be your friends. <laughs> yeah. So you are limited. So a lot of women who are like, oh, me and all my friends, we go through this. Probably because you and your friends are very similar. So understanding life based upon your friends is also skewed because of the similarities. But also to add upon Francis's point, then the issue is the sample size is still small. Most people don't have 100,000, 200,000 friends. You know? Yeah. Most people have two, if not three, friends. Right. So... Your friends are a limited sample size, and your friends are usually going to reflect your behaviors as well. Exactly. Same social class, probably. Yeah. It's a lot of similarities. Too many similarities to be a, a diverse, random sample size. Exactly. So that's a fundamental problem as well. Then the third thing, like I, um, that I previously said was the second thing, the third thing was society and the media. So what you do is you turn on the TV... You'll turn on the news, you'll watch Netflix, you'll gather data from there, and then you conclude the behaviors and habits of most people from that. Perfect example. Most white Americans in, you know, more privileged neighborhoods aren't around a lot of black people. Right. So most of the time when they're hearing about black stories, they're simply watching the news. Yeah. And if all you're seeing about black people is what you see on the news you're going to get a skewed view of black people because you're going to think that all black people are criminals. Right. Because the news usually only shows you the worst in society. And if the only exposure you have to an individual is them at their worst, you're limited. Same thing with men. A lot of women believe, oh, all guys are players. All guys are juggling multiple women. This is one girl on tour asked, how come all, the, all, all these men are always flying women out? It's like... How, yeah. like, you think the average guy has enough money to be flying a bunch of women out? So what they do is they go on Shade Room, they go on Baller Alert, they go on whatever TMZ, E! News, and they see the celebrity guys, because that's the that's most guys they're probably going to encounter, and they deduct that, oh, all guys are like this based upon the celebrity guys. Right. And that is also... It's a biased sample. I mean, some people don't understand the like how research works. 
when you're getting your data, you're getting your sample from a small sample, which is like the, the most richest guys yeah. are flying out girls. Yeah. So if your whole sample is from rich guys, how can you conclude that all men are, are like that? Exactly. Does it make any sense? I love that point. So the media, first thing, while TV is real, like, like it wouldn't, while TV has real elements yeah, to it. Yeah, it reflects a version of reality. reality. Yeah. Because if it wasn't, we, just, we wouldn't relate to yeah. it. It's still fictional. Very fictional. Scenario. Especially the women. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing is with the news. Like, a lot of things in the media is not a reflective of the norm. So people believing stuff from the news is also a really bad thing. And it, and it reminds me of how the media influences the way we think about people. So if you remember 9-11, pre-9-11, Muslims lived in America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pre-9-11, Muslims lived around the world. It was normal. It was normal. But no one ever thought anything about Muslim behavior and it being radical. Yeah. People just thought, oh, those are just, they believe this. They you know, don't eat they pork. They pray. You know? Yeah. So Muslims were just regular people. Uh-huh. 9-11 happens. Whatever amount of terrorists, was it a nine or whatever it was, happened. Those nine people then set a precedent for all Muslims moving forward. To, to even now, most people are honest. If they were at, if they were at an airport and they saw a Muslim man Praying on a mat on the floor before he boarded the plane. <laughs> if they saw that, they'll get nervous. They'll get nervous. So it's a little nervous. They'll get nervous. <laughs> Why? Because the media, the has, narrative, the narrative has now been shaped about Muslims, and now you believe the narrative, and it's going to cause you to feel anxiety because you're going to think he's going to blow up the plane when he's just doing what all human beings do before they play, board plane, is they, they pray. pray yeah. But his praying is a bit unorthodox to what you're used to. Yeah. So that's the third thing. The fourth way is what we're going to teach you guys and walk you guys through today. And the fourth way is the most best way What's objective way, at least? Huh? What's objective way? That's what word I was going to use, yeah. but I don't know why I picked best. <laughs> it's the most objective of all the ways. and It's not perfect. It's not perfect. But it's the best way human beings found <laughs> to get data. Exactly. Yeah. And so what happens is you have organizations like the U.S. Census, organizations like Pew Research, organizations like Brookings Institute that gathers data. They gather it from large enough sample sizes, and then they unbiasedly gather the data, and they unbiasedly present the data. They don't tell you what the data means, because then that's, you know, subjectivity. That's, that's bias. That's, well, which yeah. what we're going to do. <laughs> but they just clearly give you the data. So, for example, when people say there's 7 billion people on the planet, how do we know that? Somebody gathered the data through via census, and now they concluded that that's how many people are on the planet. When people say the average white male makes more than the average black male, how do they gather that data? They use the census. They use this data gathering um, organizations. Obviously, they're not perfect. So we're not suggesting they're perfect. But like Francis said, they are the most objective. And right. those are, so whenever you're reading articles or hearing in the news, when they're given this information, 
these credible people are the ones that now create the realities. I mean, I mean, ref, I mean, show the realities show reality, yeah. that are going on in the world. But your experience, your friend's experience, and TV is not Reliable the correct source. way. And, and you know, what's funny. What happens data. sometimes is that like people have a narrative mm-hmm. or a premise or whatever it is. How about this? They look for data support the hypothesis. Exactly. How science should work is you see data, unbiased data. Data is data. Fact is fact. Mm-hmm. Then you interpret what may be the reason, the cause, or the, or the fact. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do right now. Yes. Yes. So that's what we're trying to do right now. So therefore, during this episode, you guys are going to hear a lot of things you don't like. During this episode, you're probably going to be mad at Francis Wright. But we want you to know this. Two things. One, if you're going to comment something stupid about what you don't like, please give objective data with links to the data that you're refuting our facts. Because all this information is going to be public information. I'm going to record the screen also. Yeah, go ahead. Um, all this information is going to be public information, and we're going to provide you with the facts. So all the facts that you guys want, we're going to provide the links so that you guys can access all the data that me and Francis are going to be showing you. So if you disagree with what we're, sh- we're, sh- we're sharing, remember, this isn't us. This is the data the that was gathered, data. and you must then find other data. So if I show you data that says there's more white Americans than black Americans and you don't believe it, like that's not true. From my experience, there's more black people. Well, first, give us the objective data points that show a contrary point to what we're stating. Right. If you don't have it, don't comment. Clear, clear, clear. It's clear, very clear. clear. I mean, science is not subjective. It's yeah. objective. If you, if you have, a, if you disagree or something. Yes. But you must present the data to show that it's false. Yes. You can't just say, no, it's false, just because you feel it's false. Yeah. It's not science. Exactly. So make sure, if you're disagreeing, I'm going to bring one more time, in the comments. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to respond nicely in the comments, because this is, this is a very uh, mature conversation. If this is too flagrant for you, definitely don't watch flagrant, too. <laughs> but if it's, too flagrant, if it's too flagrant for you, don't watch it. But if you are interested in the hard parts about life and the hard truths about life, listen to it and learn from it. Anything else we got to add? Nope. Let's get into it. All right. So we're going to talk about a lot of things today. We're going to talk about population breakdowns. We're going to talk about um, are black women the most loyal women. We're going to talk about <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about you know why people aren't getting married. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to talk about um, just a lot of things I've heard people share, and I want to be able to test it test it out and see what's true and what's not true using the U.S. Census data. So in case you guys are interested, I found a, a quick link to the U.S. Census where you can be able to go on the census website and you can be able to access all this data. The quick link will be in the description below and I'll probably walk you through how to be able to find it um, right here. 
uh, expired. Okay, it's not it's unfortunate. <laughs> so if you guys want to access it, you just go ahead and click the link where it says Quick Link Census in the description. Um, and then what you'll see is that you have all these um, different options. You have topics, geographies, race, industry, and codes. Simply click on the race you want to find data for. Um, Alaska Native, American Indian, Asian, Blacks, whatever it may be. Click on the race, close this tab, and you'll be able to find all the data that we're, we've, we've covered through the census link in case anybody was wondering how do I access this data. But enough of the boring stuff. <laughs> Let's get to the fun. Finally. Chapter one. <laughs> Population. A, a, an idea that really bothers me a lot is when people say that there's 10 to 1 black people in Atlanta. When people say, oh, there's too many women in this group or women outnumber men, you know, 5 to 1, stuff like that. They, oh, they, yeah. It's very easy to expect that. But I have a friend in Indiana, and uh, she was she's a... She's a African-American woman. Yeah. And uh, we her not argue about, like, how many men there are in nightlife. Yeah. And she, she always say there are so many women, there are more women than men <laughs> in nightlife. Yes. And I would say that's not possible. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing. I mean, that's the one thing we all, like, yeah. men know. So like, they're says. always men. Yeah. <laughs> right? Men are like cockroaches. Men are always everywhere. They're ubiquitous yeah. in nightlife. Yeah. Women are more scarce. That's why they get them free in line. Yeah. <laughs> but... We agree, right? Yeah. So my view, I see more men. and her view, she sees more women. How can we come to objective, you know, truth? Yeah. We look, the sense, we look up the data. Yep. So here we go. All right. Love it. So the first thing I want to talk about is black American men to women ratio. All right. So I did a video a couple of months ago about how it was impossible for most men to cheat because there's just not enough women yeah. to go around. And what you'll find out is when you access the data between the ages of 20 to 40, which is where most people are getting married, mm -hmm. in America, there's more men than women in that group. Yeah. So if you're a woman and you're like, I want to meet a guy, you have better odds than a guy meeting a woman. It's smaller, but it's a little bit better. And I don't have that exact number to how many more women than men there were in that group. I forgot it, but I'll provide it in the description. I mean, I forgot off the top of my head, so I'll right. provide it in the description below. Then a lot of people were, like, disagreeing with me, and they said that black women, this is not true for black America, because black women outnumber the men five to one, three to one. Some people go as crazy as 10 to one. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's look up the data. And I did. So... What you'll find out, we're looking at the population data for Black America right now. So the current estimates, according to the 2017 census that was done by the, the ACS. So the ACS does this every single year. The ACS stands for American Community Survey. They produce the population, demographics, all these estimates. Yeah. So we're using the 2017 data for that. So to, to, to approximately there's 810,815 black Americans in the United States. Um, there's 19,400,543 men, and there's 21,210 
sorry, 21 million, 272 women. You see it? Yep. Sweet. So obviously there's more black women than black men by over a million. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's clear that there is more women to men. Total. Yes. In total. First thing is it's not two to one. Two to one means double. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's two to one would mean that there is 19 if there's 19.4 million men two to one would require 38.8 million women that's two to one so when people say it's three to one that means for 19.4 million men to be there there has to be 58.2 million women which obviously there isn't. I feel like I'm in school right now. <laughs> and if people say there's 10 to 1. Let's not do that. <laughs> they get the point. So you guys get the point. Like there's no 2 to 1, 3 to There's no 2 to 1 ratio. The, it's, it, at best, if we, for instance, were to really do the math, it might be 1 to 1.2. 1. 1. Maybe. 1. Maybe. Maybe. So it's clear, like I said, there is there is more women. A million more is is a is a reasonable number. Yeah, it is. But the problem is, you have to look at it via each ages. So what you guys will see right right now is that it breaks down each group by age. So males, females, under fives, male, females, five to nine, and all that good stuff. So what you're gonna find out is under the age of twenty five years old. There's more black men than black women. Yeah. And I'm going I'm to show you this. So I'm going to read a number. Francis is going to read a number. I'm going to go males first. Francis can go females. So let's just do like 1.41. All right. So males, there are 1.41 million black males under the age of five. How many women are there, Francis? 1.36 million. Oh. Okay, five to nine. There's 1.45 men. How many women are there? 1.41. All right, still more men. 10 to 14, 1.47 men. How many women? 1.43. Still more guys. All right, 15 to 17, 922,000. How many women? 890,000. Still more guys. Um, 20 to 24 is, wait, hold on. That was 15 to 17? Yes. Yeah, it's 15 to 17. Yes. I'm sorry, it's 18 to 19. 15 to 17. 18 to 19, there's 651,000 men. How many women? 625,000. Okay. Between the ages of 20 to 24, there's 1.72 million men. 1.68 million women. Between the ages of 25 to 29, there's 1.55 million men. And 1.6 million women. All right. And remember, guys, this is black America. So as you guys have just seen... Under the age of 25, there in every single age group, there is more men than women. But what happens is when you get to 25 and older, then all of a sudden, there's more women than men. But even the more, more amount of women is slightly more, right? Very slight, yeah. Yeah, slightly more, but it, it adds up when you go to each age group. And obviously, after a certain age, men just die off quicker than women. So oh, yeah. after the age of 65, is like, for example... Let's go 65. Um, 65, there's 1.1 million men. How many women are there? 
million men, you know? women. So there's 300,000 more women. So as you see, the number gets bigger. But for the most part, it's generally average. Yeah. Right? So let's do, let's do this real quick. Um, let's add, let's say most people of our listeners, are, let's say they're between the ages of 25 to 29. So let's add the men that age. One... Point five plus the women. So we're going to add the men between the age of 25 to 29 to the women to get the total amount in that age. 786. So what you should get is it should be 3,164,877 black adults between the ages of 25 to 29. Right? Okay. So uh, can you write that down on your phone? Three. This number right here? Yeah. Got it. All right. So to find out the percentage of how many men there are, we're going to take the men, mm-hmm. divide that number by the total amount of people in the sample size, and multiply that by 100 to get the percent. So 1.555091 divided by the total, which is 3164877, times that by 100. So what you should get is that 49.1% of adults, black adults between the age of 25 to 29, are men. And then obviously women is going to be 50.8, yes. right? So... It's not that much more. There's still more, but there's not that much more. Yeah. So, like I said, when people are like, oh, there's so many more women. Yeah, I'm not going to deny it. There are going to be more women. It's like Chris right now. <laughs> there are going to be more women, but it's not astronomically more. Yeah, it's, it's insignificant. Okay. Not that many more. Anything you want to add to that? Um, no, I mean, that's just on all the, the stories of, like, more men, more women. I mean, it's basically even. Yeah. Yes, relatively even, obviously, like I said, as you expand through the groups. Um, do me a favor. How much more women than men between 25 and 29 are there? So do that real quick. Okay. All right, 54,000. So there's 54,000 more um, um, women. So that's a good enough number. But still, there's still 1 million guys out there. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. again... People can live different areas and yeah. different cities, different locations, and have more women than men or whatever. But it's America, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. So, first thing is yes, there is more women mm-hmm. over the age of twenty-five. Under the age of twenty-five, there's more men in Black America, but the number is not ten to one, five to one, three to one. That anyone believes that is shut down. Shut down. Yeah. Then the question is. Before I ask that question, let's go down to white America. Let's go to white Americans. And we're, we're going to do the same thing um, for... Should we go over this same thing for... We don't have to go over, like, everything. But they get the point of how it works. Yeah. So we can just jump to the ages. Okay, cool. The, the, the so I, I, I'm thinking about the people who are listening to it via the podcast. So I was thinking about the video people will be able to see when I put it up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. But we can jump to the age okay, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, cool, where cool. things actually change. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. So what's interesting about white America is not until the age of 45 where there's more women than men. So let's go, uh, let's just do one, 35 to 44. Uh, let's go 25 and 29 because that's when okay. it changes in black y- yes, America. Yes, yes. So 25 to 29 
that at the age of 25 to 29, there's 6,377,575 men. For women, there's 6,178,177 women. So obviously, there's more men. Yes. And it doesn't change until the age of 45, where there is 13,933,448 men. And 11,648,207 women. Oh, wow. It doesn't even change. I, I was wrong. It changed at 55. Yeah, much older. Oh, wow. Yeah. 55. Oh. It doesn't change at 55 either. No, it doesn't. It, it, doesn't. it yeah. does. Okay, I'm tripping. <laughs> yeah. I'll look at something else. So at the age of 55, there's 14,253,328 uh, men. And there's 14.9 million. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's clearly it's clear. more. <laughs> so that's interesting. That's not until the age of 40, um, 55 to 64 where there's more women than men. Yeah, in, in white America. Yeah. yeah. So now it's interesting dynamic. So that so the, I think the question that I was going to ask, which is really fascinating, is that why is the number so drastic between 25 to 29? In the black America, why does it shift at that age? Death? Yeah. Yeah, that could be the main thing. Yeah. So the New York Times did an article about it. And the New York, so I'm going to copy that one in the description below. Mm-hmm. And the article about it's called the 1.5 million missing men. And what they found out is that, I think, I think they went 25 to 55, I believe, that there's 1.5 million more women than men in that age group, uh-huh. which, is, which is what they consider the marriageable group. Consider it, yeah, yeah. And they were, they were analyzing why it was so. I think 600,000 of those people are in prison. And then they, they did homicide was maybe 200,000, mm-hmm. but there was still like a good chunk that was missing. And they were just like, they didn't know why. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting because that issue is plaguing black America. But it's also interesting because going down to the Asian American data, the issue is also true in Asian Americans, where at the age of 25 to 29, there is 706,264 Asian men compared to... What age again? 25 to 29. Oh, 741,000. Yeah. So in the Asian community that they're 25 to 29, they have that same issue of more women to men. Yes. Which is, we can get into this later. Yeah, I mean, we tried to look for yeah. why this is so. We looked up, scouted in that. We yeah. couldn't find why this is happening. But yeah. that, that's just the data. Yeah, so if you if if you are um, Asian or know a lot about <laughs> Asian culture, <laughs> please let us know because I'm curious. I'm curious because they don't have the homicide issues. Yeah, I mean, we we can guess as to why Black Americans are dying, Black men yeah. are dying. I mean, we can get we can get this that, yeah. but I really don't know why yeah. Asian Asian men are dying or not in the census. Yeah, so that's really quite fascinating. Um, so and and real quick. Most objective data, guys. Some people are like, some people don't take the census. This is the most objective data. So without this objective data, it's all your feelings. And it's your feelings versus my feelings, <laughs> your experience versus my experience. So we're using objective, the most objective data. I mean, data. if this is not good enough for you, get better. And uh, I, I doubt yeah. you can do better. So Yeah. Um, and then we go down to, we, we're not going to do that. Let, let's not do that. Cool. <laughs> all right. So 
that's a we're, we're gonna go back to that data later on. People are like, what's the problem with the population data? I want to talk about some interesting facts about it. Uh-huh. Um, and then we need to then we'll dive deeper into that one. Okay. But let's let's jump into the money thing, which is a serious issue. Oh yeah. So one thing that you'll notice is that a lot of people on the right will talk about, man, you know, black people, why are you guys complaining? You guys are so successful. You Doing have great. Oprah. You have <laughs> Jay-Z. Jay-Z. You have, you know, <laughs> uh, Obama. President. You have yeah. all these great people. Why are black people complaining about the state of their lives and about difficulties you're going through? This is America. Opportunity for all. everywhere, yeah. So what people in those groups tend to, I mean, fail to realize is that a lot of these individuals they're talking about are the exceptions, exceptions. and not the rules. Yeah. They're the exception, not the rules. The talented temp, so to speak, to use you know W. Du Bois's term, that is not the majority. I mean, like this has been said for a long time. Yeah. I think Chris Rock had a bit in his one of his main specials in the past. He said he lives next to a dentist. Uh, he has a, a <laughs> amazing home. He's, a, he's Chris Rock is a is, a, is yeah. one of the best comedians of all time. Yeah. He lives next to a dentist. <laughs> so their average yeah. <laughs> is our exceptional. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, this next data point is called household income in the past 12 months. Um, householders with a householder who is black or African-American alone. So this next data point that we're going to be looking at is the household income, meaning how much money each house is bringing in a year yeah. in the black community. And what you're going to notice is that the group which has the most amount of individuals in it are households that make less than $10,000 a year. First, let's, let's orient them to like okay. the, to me, they can look it up by okay. saying we can provide the links there. Essentially, there's a breakdown here. So what you see is they broke it down by household income, uh, Less than 10,000, 10 grand to 14, 15 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand, like, and all the way up to like, you know, over $200,000 household income, right? And they have the numbers of uh, individuals or families, households within each group. And what you'll find, what you, if you said, what you'll find is that the most amount of people under $10,000, you know, black, black America under mm-hmm. $10,000, that, that's. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so as we get a little bit deeper into the data, people will see the severity of it. So let's, we got to go deeper into the yeah, data. Yeah, I got a little deeper. And then yeah. we'll, get, we'll get back to it. Let's go Asian American. We're going to yes. short out Asian American to, to show you the, the, the staunch contrast. So what you look at Asian American, so this is Asian American household income in the past 12 months. They're the largest... Group, the 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 the, I mean the I'm not what not group. What word am I looking for? The largest number income of, of, of household income. The, the largest. So it's hard to say. I don't yeah, know. I know. It's, I'm it's trying to see than yeah, say, right? Yeah. But the most people have a household income of greater than two hundred thousand dollars. Yes. So or this group of people. Yeah. So like I said, going back to the breakdown, the people who are in the... 
<laughs> if you're listening to this via audio, make sure you watch the video on YouTube because it'll make a lot more sense when you see the video <laughs> on YouTube. But the people, the, the largest group is $200,000 or more. Compared to the largest group in black America is less than $10,000. Let, let's make it, let's, let's make it where they understand. Okay. So when you look at black America, right? Yep. Looking at household incomes of $200,000 or more, right? You have a total of 309,000 households. Yeah. Okay. 309,000. Now, if you look at less than $10,000, which is like below, like the lowest poverty line <laughs> ever. Yeah. You have 1 million, 1.9 million black Americans are making less than $10,000. Yeah. Like that's insane. That's yeah. a household income. Not one in, household income. So, um, you know what's fascinating? What? Let's do percentage. That's, so, that's, that's, yeah, that's so, that. so you do the percentage of Asian Americans who make over $200,000. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the percentage of black Americans that make them less than $10,000. Okay. So there's 13.2% of black Americans make less than $10,000 a year. And 12.8% of Asian Americans make over $200,000 yes. a, a year. All right. So that is the real sad truth. Because like I said, out of all the percentages, that's the most. But let, let's make this even scarier. Now I want you to do Asian Americans that make from 150 through 200000 Okay. So how many Asian Americans make between $150,000 to $200,000 a year? And let's compare that to how many Black Americans make between $10,000 to $15,000 a year. So we're going to add the first two. And I'm going to add the first two. We're going to the bottom two and dividing that by the total times it by 100. So 21% of Black Americans make less than $15,000 a year. And 22.6% of Asian Americans make over $150,000 a year. Okay. So that's the bottom. Yes. And this is the top. And that's the top. Yeah. So let's flip it. All right? Okay. So I want you to find out how many Asian Americans make less than 15000 a year by percentage. I'm going to figure out how many black Americans make over $150,000 a year by percentage. Sheesh. What percentage do you have? 10%. I, okay. So Francis has 10% of Asians make less than $15,000 a year compared to what I had 21% of blacks. Yeah. And then in regards to black people who make $150,000 more is 5% compared to 22% of Asians. That's insane. Yeah. That's, that's more than double. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's triple. Not even triple, quadruple. Quadruple, yeah. And... It gets really scary when you find out. I don't think we'll get. We'll feel yeah, like I know. We're not feeling it. I feel like we're just you're you're sitting not, here like. Yeah, like, what is going on? <laughs> so here's what you got to understand. Let's, 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 one more thing. This is really hit it at home. Show me. Never mind. Screw it. What you're not understanding is that in the black community, a majority of people are below the poverty line. Yes. Out of every out of every statistical demographic, a majority of people are going to be below the poverty line. And barely anybody's making households, that means two, one, whatever, a lot of people are making over 150,000 compared to in the Asian community, that number 
is a majority of them are making 150000 plus. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I first saw this, when I first saw a million, like 1.9, almost 2 million African-Americans household are making less than $10,000 $10,000 in America. In, in America. in America. That, that 1.9 million compared to 300,000, I mean, come on. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's bad. Yeah. And so, like, so when you really understand what's going on in some of these black communities, it's serious. $10,000 a year? Bro, let's, let's make it, let's make it, uh, the number a little bit makes more sense for people. $10,000 a year. Yeah. Divided by 12, that means they make $833 a month. A month. What's rent? That's, that's, my, that's my rent. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> $833 a month. And let's say every check, so every two, two weeks, $416 every two weeks. So imagine you're working a job and you're getting checks of $416 every two weeks. And that's what you're living off of. And it's, the, it's a household. Household with kids. Yeah, with children and needs. Yes. So, yeah. like, the worst part about it, man, is like, dude, there's a lot of people at the bottom. Oh, yeah. A lot of people at the bottom. And going back to the, the Asian point, you have one, two, three, four, five, six different groups who you have six different groups of people who are damn it, I can't explain this crap. Yeah, hard, hard to explain. Hard I mean, to explain it, it. It, look, look, the, the bottom, the basically the top people, the most, most people, people are at the top. Yeah, okay, most yeah. people are at the top. That's the, top. the point I'm trying to yeah. make. Thank you. The most people are at the top. So you have to go through six groups before you find out that the seventh largest group let, makes less than ten thousand dollars. So, two hundred thousand dollars, one hundred fifty. All these people, most people are in these groups, and then the seventh most people are in. That's what I'm looking for. The seventh most people are in less than ten thousand dollars compared to in Black America. The highest number of people. The highest amount of people are in ten thousand, and a large number at that. A large number. And, that. and if, if you if you put together the bottom three, you see millions. Yeah. You see. Eight, less than thousand million, less than fifteen thousand million. Yeah, fifteen to, to twenty million. Yeah, bottom at the very bottom. Well, Asians are the exceptions, right? Exceptional. Let's go yeah. to white Americans. You know what I really should have put here? Hispanics. Really should have put Hispanics. I, yeah. I should have put this back, but I can pull it up and you can just look over my screen. Um, white Americans. So, Francis, what's the largest group for white Americans? Seventy-five. To hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and that's and that should be that's middle middle class. Yeah, and you and your wife are making forty thousand between forty to yeah, yeah. fifty thousand. That's, yeah, that's middle class. Yeah, that's that's median. That's yeah. So what's the second largest group? Let's see. Second largest group would be hundred thousand to one twenty four one twenty five thousand. Uh, third largest group. Let's see. Two hundred or more. <laughs> $200,000 or more. Fourth largest group? Let's see. I think that's... Uh... Oh, so I think I made a mistake earlier. Yeah. Second largest group is actually uh, 
sixty thousand dollars to seventy five thousand dollars, and then the third largest group is the hundred thousand dollars to twenty twenty five thousand dollars, and then the fourth largest group is two hundred or more. Okay, awesome. So what you got? So so for the people listening in, what's going on is that if you're going to the white Americans, you figure out that there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven groups. And the eighth largest group makes less than $10,000. I want to keep on bringing it back to the blacks. The first largest group makes less than $10,000. Right. In the population, I mean, in the money breakdown. Then if you want to go to Hispanic Americans, what you will find out is that not for them, it's still not the first largest. The first largest group in Hispanic Americans is between seventy-five to ninety-nine thousand dollars, which is what we said seventy-five thousand, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, second largest between sixty thousand to seventy-five thousand. Third largest is between fifty thousand to fifty-nine thousand. Fourth largest is hundred thousand to one hundred twenty-five thousand. And then, pretty good. <laughs> then you get to the less than ten thousand, which is the fifth largest. Yeah, yeah Black Americans are, are not doing great. Yeah. Okay, like no other population has this number yeah. like it's the first the largest group is making less than ten thousand okay saying that over and over again to everybody else yeah, to sink so in. people can <laughs> can dawn on them like how severe that is the largest group is makes less than ten thousand dollars below poverty line that's yeah yeah crazy. so and I, I wish we had a uh, ben here to, <laughs> to, to, to chime in because this is my thing is like when you have that many people in the bottom how do you expect them to be civilized in uncivilized times. <laughs> you know, when you have that many people who don't have any money and they're and they and they're starving, they can't feed their kids. They're going through all these hardships. You know, they can't pay for college. We're talking about like all these things. When you have this many people there, what do you expect is going to happen? Expect them to just behave and just live in peace and harmony while everybody else is rich. Because one thing when everyone in your country is poor, yeah, right? When it's abstract poverty everywhere. But when you can go across the street and see people living like kings while you're living like peasants. Peasants, man. In America, this is America. Yeah. America. <laughs> it's America, the richest country in the world. Yes. Arguably, one rich country in the world. And you live in like, you live in like a, you live in poverty. Okay. I got a perfect example I want to show you guys real quick. Um... Per capita income. Um, um, By country. Per capita income by country. No, not GDP. Oh, they don't show it to you. I thought I found it. Income. Niger. This is why you pull up data. Beforehand. Beforehand. So basically, per capita income lets you know like the average household income per countries. Yes. I wanted to compare what that was like to other countries so they can get an understanding of you know yeah. how low that was. Let me do one more thing. And then if not, we just jump into the data. Um that's equivalent to so basically Making less than ten thousand dollars is the average income in Malaysia. So these people are are Americans basically living in conditions the way they live in Malaysia, a third world country, or developing country, whatever you want to call it. 
So I think the point of this data is like we have to help. Like resources, support systems, structures really need to be poured into the black community because there's no way to have good education systems in neighborhoods where they're making less than $10,000 a year. And I would say that uh, the whole idea of this is that the myth of like black Americans are doing great now. Everything's fine. Everything's yeah. good. Look Obama. Look at yeah. that myth is busted. Yeah. Look, we are literally staring at a million black Americans making less than thousand dollars. It's that's poverty. So yeah, like like good point about the school thing. Yeah. You see, when you when you're in a community that has no money, yeah, how can you afford the, the structures that can build up the community? Mm -hmm. And what you'll find out is that. African Americans have the um, highest poverty rate, and that's twenty seven point four percent compared to nine point nine percent whites. I feel like the first half of this episode, I think it's gonna be a long episode. Yeah, uh, it's already long. Yeah, yeah, because we're gonna get into the meat of it, and the meat's gonna be all the juicy stuff that I'm gonna put on Instagram. Because, but you need to have the data to go back to the meat. Yeah, you got to. So let's go to marriage data. All right. So this is what a lot of the people, the spiciness stuff goes down to. So we scroll down to marriage data. So what you'll find out is that there is a serious marriage issue in the black community. So what the marriage data is pulling, so I can make sure I find it. We're, find, we're looking at right now. Okay, we're looking at sex by marital status for the population 15 years and over. So any, it was basically looking at the sex by married, marital status for the population or gender for population 15 years or older. Okay. All right, so we're, me and Francis, like I said, now that you understand percentages, we'll do percentages ourselves. Okay. So, Francis, tell me how many percent of black women are currently married? And I'll tell you the percentage of black men who are currently married. So I have 32.8% of black men are married compared to how many women? Just right. Uh, are married? Like, I'm looking at now married. Yeah. Right? You, could, you, you did that by the... Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I miscalculated. That's all good. <laughs> I'm about to say, well... <laughs> Whoa. That definitely, that definitely wasn't it. All right. Uh, so 38... 32.8% men are currently married. 26.26% of women, of women are, cur are currently yes. married. So let's juxtapose. So there's 26% of black women are married. Um, you do white American women. I'm going to do Asian American women who are right now are currently married. So Asian American women, 58% of them are currently married. White American, 51% are currently married. So, like I said, black women, we were at, what, 26? Yes. 26% of black women are married. White Americans, 51% of them were married. Black Amer uh, Asian Americans, 58% of them are married. So, like, for those of you that don't like numbers, about half yes. of white Americans are married. Compared to a fourth, to a fourth of black, of black women. women. And are, then over half yeah. of Asian American women are married. And that is a serious problem. A serious problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Serious problem. Um, marriage, for some reason, is not being desired after in the black community. And you know one of the reasons why is why I loved I I now I remember why I picked this data. Yeah. Because of the poverty. 
Yeah, marriage is a good indicator of like when you when you like marriage is is one of the variables that kind of dictates where you are in the you know financial status. So without marriage, can't you can't build financial? You can't build wealth. And not just that. Yeah. Is that if you don't have wealth, you're not going to get married. True. Also true. Yeah. So if you have a bunch of people who are just super poor. They're not going to be getting married. Yeah. You know, they're they're probably just going to be, you know, having sex, you know, stuff like that. They're not, as a guy, if you have financial instability, the last thing on your mind is marriage. marriage. Yeah. So one of the things going on in black America that I'm looking at that could be one of the factors of the lack of marriage is that these people, a lot of these people have no money. Yeah. And when you don't have any money, you're not very likely to marry that's true. And then, which goes back to the, another spicy take about the divorce rate. Yeah. Because what, what you'll find out is out of every ethnic group, the black women have the highest divorce rates. So um, you, do, you do black women and I'll do Asian women real quick for divorce rates. Remember, guys, this is a 2017 data on the U.S. Census's website that is factfinder.census.gov, and this is the American Community Survey five-year estimates for sex by marital status for the population 15 years and older. I bet I messed up several times. (laughs) It's all good. So remember, guys, Asian American women, 58% of them are married, and I have 6% are divorced. Uh, 13.4% are divorced. So think about that. That's so, double. Huh? That's double the divorce yeah. rate. Yeah. More than double. So eight, the black American black women divorce rates twice the Asian men, Asian women divorce rate. And what's really sad is that 26% of women are married, 13% of them are divorced. So it's like it's like for every two <laughs> yeah. married women, there's one divorced, one divorced woman, woman compared yeah. to the Asian community with 58 percent to six is that for every nine married woman yeah there is one divorced woman that that's that's crazy because the very little people that do get married in are, the black community are, are going to get divorced divorce. yeah and the high amount of people are getting married in a few of them are getting divorced a few of them are getting divorced yeah which goes back to a a really good article which was explaining why divorce is a prevalent in the black community especially amongst black women because let's go see, uh, you know what? Let's see <laughs> the men, the black men. The black men are leaving their wives and doing all this. Let's see percentage of black men who are divorcing their women. Let's see if it's uh, see if it's high. You saw that black woman number? No, I'm I'm doing Asian, I'm doing uh, Asian men. Why do that? Cool. So I think Francis gave us 13.4 percent of black women are divorced. Yeah, about, yeah. and black men, 10.1 percent of them are divorced. So actually, men have a have a lower divorce rate. So what you're going to find out is that when it comes to divorce, divorce is initiated by more women. That's true. Yeah. So people are men are leaving their wives for younger, younger girls. No, show me any data. Look it up. Go on Google.com. That's one thing I like to do. <laughs> Go on Google. Who initiates, spell that wrong, divorce more often? And you're going to find up all the things that says 
<laughs> women <laughs> initiate divorce more. Everything, all the data. Why? And it's, and everybody has a reason. Every like, as you guys see, I've looked at all all these articles. <laughs> <laughs> everyone has a reason, but the main factor, which is why I love the point, to the money. Yeah. With financial instability, women are also not happy. Yeah. If you're broke and you got no job, not only will they not marry you, but if they do marry you, they're probably going to leave you after the issues happen. It's a huge part of marriage, the yep. security. Exactly. So financial instability leads to marital instability. So what you're going to see is that a lot of women are not going to be happy in financially unstable environments, which is why, surprisingly speaking, millionaires have the lowest divorce rate. Most oh, yeah. people don't know that. Oh, yeah. The richer you are, the less likely you are to divorce. Because the biggest factor, which is the women, is a lot of times she's happy. As much as she's unsatisfied in other areas, I think what happens, and this is obviously, you know, us theorizing. Speculation. For a lot of girls, they say, at least my kids and my needs are taken care of. So I feel like that's just a huge chunk of me staying here, that as long as that's straight, for the most part, the other things are not as major. Yeah, it's my, the, like, I, I would guess like yeah. half of it is security. Mm-hmm. The other half is Yeah, the other, other things. things, yeah. But security's taken care of. Yeah. I would guess 51% of it is security. <laughs> so as long just as enough it's just, to keep enough, it. just enough to keep <laughs> you in there. So as you guys can see, and you can do this for Hispanic Americans, you can do this for uh, other ethnicities as well. I know some people can get really good at, at even finding like like certain like um, immigrant groups, like you can find yeah. it for Nigerians and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. It gets really specific there. But the big thing that you guys will notice is starting out, starting with the money. The money isn't right, then the marriage isn't going to be right. So that's why for all the guys out here who are rocking with the show, guys, getting your money right is the number one priority you got to take care of. You got to make sure that your family is not sitting into this poverty number. You got to make sure your family is escaping these things. And you got a responsibility to help your family in that area. Don't be a liability. Get your money right. Don't be at the bottom um, 21% of people living under $15,000, especially if you're in a black community. So next, single motherhood data. Oof. <laughs> Let me find out the correct terminology for the people who are going to be looking for the single motherhood data. So for the single motherhood data, we are looking at um, women 15 to 50 years old who had a birth in the past 12 months by marital status. So let you know how many women, you know, had a child in the past 12 months. Um, and these are women between the ages of 15 to 50. That's, that's the age group they use. Okay. All right. So remember, guys, you already know how percentages work. Francis, I want you to find out how many percent of white women have had a child out of you know, who were unmarried, and I'll tell you guys how many percent of black women had a, had a child who were unmarried. And like I said, the data is all on the screen so that you guys can be able to do the math yourself if you don't believe us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <It's my data. laughs> Gosh, man, this is hard. <laughs> You know you're doing unmarried, that married number by the woman number. 
so so right here, right? This is unmarried. Yeah, by the total. Not total. That's so, that's, oh, that's, oh. Um, that's that's all women. Okay. Women who had who had a, a birth in the past twelve months. All right. So okay. Yeah. Gotcha, so gotcha, gotcha. thank you. Um, thank you, Francis. So what we're doing is, guys. So they're saying the it gives you the total amount of women in that age group. So the, the first number that says total is letting you know how many women between fifteen to fifty are in that group. The second number is. Women who had a birth in the past 12 months let you know how many women total had a birth in the past 12 months. The, the third number is now married. How many of them are, who are currently married and how many of them are unmarried? Sure, that's right. You did it. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. did it? Okay, cool. That, that, that's so, the... <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. So for black Americans... The 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 women who had birth in the past twelve months who were not married sixty five percent. Wow, um, for white Americans, that's twenty five percent. Twenty five percent. Yes. And then I already did, I already calculated the other data, and for Asian Americans it is eleven percent, and Hispanics is forty two percent. So you got to think about it. Children being born to single mothers in the year twenty seventeen, according to the data. Is sixty five percent in the black community. Juxtapose that with the eleven percent in the Asian community and twenty five percent in the white community, which then also leads to the poverty. The poverty, <laughs> and then also then leads to not being not married. being married. Because there's a really good article. Oh gosh, I love how things just come together. There's a really good article that I I have. I'm a, I'm gonna link it below about. Marriageable women versus marriageable men. And what's really fascinating about this article is that for years, there's a guy, um, and his name is William Julius Wilson, and he wrote a book called A Truly Disadvantaged. It came out in 1987. Mm -hmm. And in his book, he coined the term marriageable men. Okay. And one of the most important factors for a marriageable man according to um, William Julius Wilson, is that marriageable men for women were men who had jobs. That's the most important factor to mm -hmm. what makes a man marriageable or not. The problem with that is that the, the person never figured out how many of these people were... I just sent you the, um, the document via email if you want to open it. Yeah. How many... What is a marriageable woman? And what they found out is that what men decided as a marriageable woman is a woman who has not given birth to a child. So that was what men determined as a marriageable woman. So women said the most important thing a guy must have is he must have a job. And men said the most important thing a woman must have is no must kids. No kids, yeah. So... When it comes, that's why it's all tied together. So with a single motherhood um, dilemma, um, when you have 65% of the women who are single mothers, now they're less likely. Did you find it? Uh, you sent me the same document, I think. I mean, this is... It was, I didn't say the Brookings Institute one? Uh, no, I, I got Yeah, to Francis. The newest email I got was different. You sure? Okay. Yeah, right okay. There. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. So when you have 65% of black women who are giving birth, you know, 
Yeah, out of out like, of me- me- wedlock. Wedlock. Is- then then the challenge is those women to now get married. Yeah, how can they marry if if the I guess his definition of a marriage woman yes. is no kids. Then if he's right, then they really can't get married. Yeah, and obviously there are men who marry women who have kids. And obviously, there are women who marry men who don't have jobs. Yeah. But they were just saying, generally speaking, according to the data, what is a marriageable individual? Right. So it's really, really fascinating. I'm not sure we're going we're gonna to dive into this data unless you want to do it. I think it might take a, a long time. But what's really fascinating is, is um, like how when we talk about single motherhood in the black community, we really don't get into that reality that... The sad reality for a lot of these women is that, one, it's just like, I'm listen to this. One, you have a kid. Mm-hmm. Because you have a kid, you're less likely to get married. Now you're less likely to get married. There's less money in the household. In the household. Now there's less money in the household. The more difficult the stability is for the household, which leads me to one of the articles. So the Institute for Women's Policy Research Facts, you guys, this is another link. The Institute for Women's Policy Research is a nonprofit organization that's constantly trying to find out, you know, stability and help women. So this is a pro-women organization. This is not a pro-male organization. And so what, this, what they're trying to find out in this article is what creates stabilities, what creates economic stability. And so, Francis, the art, in the article on the first page, it says... Here is how much each person needs to make to experience basic economic security in the United States. So they define economic security is, I'm going to read the first chapter, the first um, sentence. Um, it says, economic security is a critical part of the overall health and well-being of women, men, and children. To experience economic security, Working adults must have enough income to meet their basic monthly expenses, such as housing, food, transportation, and childcare expenses, and save for emergency and retirement. So this index is what they're doing to determine, like, how well can people survive? Right. Like, what, like it's not just how, making money, but it's how well can you survive? And what they're saying is a single working adult needs how much money to survive? You need thirty thousand dollars to drive. Thank so you. Thirty-three thousand. Thirty-three thousand dollars. A single working adult needs that for basic economic security. A single parent with an infant needs how much? Fifty thousand dollars. Okay. And then two working adults with an infant and a preschooler needs how much? Roughly eighty thousand dollars. This is just to have basic economic security in America. So let's scroll down to basic economic security by family type. So this figure below lets you know how many families, how likely is it for a person to have economic security by marital status? Single moms have a what percent chance to have economic security, Francis? 23.8%. Single fathers? 46.1%. Single women with no children? 57.6%. Couples with no children? 61.8%. 61.8%. Single man, no children? 64%. And the gay couples? 
80. What? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like those two couple with no children. A couple with no children. You know? Oh, yeah, the gay couple. You know, because gay couples are the richest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't like the, yeah, their yeah. relationship are the richest because they have no kids. So, 83.3%. Okay. A couple with no children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Yeah, you know, just, yeah, just a joke. It's, another funny joke is don't you, it's so funny that a single man with no kids is more likely to be economically secure than a man with a wife and kid. That's. That's uh, that's funny. <laughs> and remember, guys, this is a pro-women organization. And what are their sources? Sources is the data for American Community Survey. Well, we were just going over it. And, and if, if, again, if you guys disagree with this, I mean, just find a better study. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but another thing I found here funny was the children is the major component affecting yep. these yep. numbers. You see, the single mother... The child brings her down at 23.8%. Literally at 24, you're 24% less likely to be economically secure if you have a child. I, if you're a woman. That's very low. Yeah. And it's also really sad that the single father households are way more economically secure than the woman household. And, this, and, this, and so a lot of this goes back to the gender gap, which is another point I want to bring up. Yeah. Men make more than women in every ethnicity. If you if you want to look it up specifically, you can look it up. I have no problem anybody not finding any data around that. Black men make more than black women. Hispanic men make more than Hispanic women. Asian men make more than Asian women. White men make more than white women. Across it's every across, ethnicity. Across the board. Native Americans, whatever you want to do, men make more than women. Yes. So when girls are saying... Oh, all these guys are bums. They don't have jobs. Blah blah blah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna refute that. In a, let's do it right now. <laughs> Here's some data. Scroll the way to the bottom, Francis. All right. Um, and so right now I'm refuting the idea because I heard a lot of people say, "Oh, all these black women have jobs, and none of the the black men have jobs. We're working hard, and they're just being lazy." All right. Let's go ahead and. Pull up data. So the data I'm, I'm showing you right now is um, is sex by age by employment status for the population 16 and older. So what this is going to do for you is let you know like how many people are employed and unemployed, and then what jobs are they in who are 16 and older. And the data we're going to be looking at right now is for the black community. So um, the first number is the total amount of people who are 16 and older, obviously. Mm -hmm. Then you have the male number. Then you scroll down. You have the female number. So 16 to 64. So, Francis, what I want you to do is is to to tell me by percentage how many percent of women are in the labor force in the black community under the age of 64. And I'm going to tell you how many men are in the labor force in the black community by percentage under the age, I mean, between ages of 16 to 64. So by percentage, I think we're going to be smacked in the face by the data again, though. I feel like I did the data before and it wasn't Okay, okay. Yeah. So 68% of guys in the labor force. And 71% of women. So they're right. Now I'm wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I think before I I did, I just did 8 million divided by 13 million. But I didn't put all the numbers in there. That's why I did it wrong before. So smacked in the face. I was proven wrong. The data smacked me in my face. And there are more women who are working than men by percentage, but it's only 3% more. 
Yeah. So it's not like all these guys are lazy without jobs, not doing anything. No, it's through only 3% more working women than men. And what's really fascinating is that there's another, there's another data point which we won't look at, but it breaks it down by um, occupation. So it's sex by occupation. And what you're going to find out is that the reason why we don't see a lot of black guys working is because most black men are not in the service industry. They're in the transportation industry. Right. And most women are in the service industry. So, and like I said, you can look at the, look up that data. It's sex by occupation for the civilian employed population 16 years and over. And what you find is that most guys are in transportation, behind the scenes, warehouse, warehouse stuff. Girls you know, are, you know. In the, in the kitchen back. Yes. On the front. Exactly. So that's why you're going to see more women working. But by percentage, yes, there are more women with jobs than men, but it's only greater by 3%. And why did I bring this all up? Oh yeah, because I was saying that the the, the black guy deadbeats all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. but like still, like that three percent is not enough to have that perception. So why do you think that the perception of like no men working out here, they're all bums? I think because most people will just see their single moms working, and then they may they may not see the father working. Okay. Why not? Because that's not home. Not around their dad. Okay, okay, okay. So the perception is mom, grandma, auntie, I'm around women a lot. Right. And so therefore you're thinking all these women are working. Right. And none of the guys are working. And like I said, guys, really important to look at the data. Um, not just your feelings, because your feelings can expose something. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, we're, we're, we're And shocked. we just got exposed right now. Because <laughs> our feelings thought that more more guys are working. But going back to economic security by household, like you guys see, man, the single motherhood households has a lot of Insecurity. Yeah, instability. It, it's de instability, it's definitely. Sorry. I mean, shocking number to me is like the the single man, no children, is the second best group. Yeah. Economic wise, and couple no children. Yeah. Obviously, we know we get that wise couple. Yeah. But a single man is more stable on its own. Yeah. Than he is when he's. <laughs> married yeah <laughs> with children yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so so why do guys not get married you see why <laughs> <laughs> yes and so which leads us to a spicy back to the original article about is there a short of shortage of marriageable men so the brookings institute like is another really good institute and um this is going to be the crux the main point, and we're going to dance around with these other points as well. So the Brookings, not the, not the one, the other yeah, one. The, yeah, the yeah. one, yeah. So um, the Brookings Institute, they did, an artic they did an article about, is there a shortage of marriageable men? And in this article, like I'm saying, they, they try to find out, okay, what, is there a shortage? Obviously, that's what they're trying to find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And remember, guys, like I said, they, they, the original point was sociologist William Julius Wilson coined the term marriageable male in his book, The Truly Disadvantaged. And he was basically saying that there's not a lot of marriageable men because women are defining marriageable men as men with jobs. And a lot of guys didn't have jobs. Right. In his personal uh, opinion. Mm -hmm. So the problem is that they compared all women jobless or not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to the guys with no with jobs. Yeah. And obviously, there's going to be a disparity of that. Yeah. So 
Then he asked the question, if we're going to define, scrolling down, if we're going to define as marriageable for men, what is marriageable for women? All right. Um, you read the first paragraph, so and I'll read the second paragraph. So what do we mean by marriageable? All right. So William Julius Wilson's original definition of marriageability was the ratio of, of employed men so all women of the same age. Pause right there. So think about it, guys. His original definition, which because this created the idea in women's mind. Yeah. So this is where the when women are like there's no mar mar marriageable guys. This is where this idea comes from. He was comparing employed men to all, all women. women. Yeah. Keep on going. So no requirement for the women's side. Yes. Same age. All mm -hmm. right. Most of the subsequent literature has focused on indicators of male economic potential including employment, earnings, and not being incarcerated. Similarly, a recent Pew Research Center's report looking at marriage rates among young Americans found that over three-quarters of women surveyed cited having a partner with a stable job as a very important attribute they look for in someone to marry. Awesome. Thank you. So most women want a guy with what, Francis? A, a J-O-B. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So my part. <laughs> <laughs> The assumption built into this definition is that marriageability is specific to men, but that all women are equally marriageable regardless of employment status or other, other characteristics. characteristics. <laughs> <laughs> That's important here. So it's basically saying the idea is that the, the, the term marriageable is only a term applied to men and all women are marriageable no matter what their employment status is or their characteristics. Uh. However, this comparison does not reflect modern realities about the role that women's earnings play in family finances. They are now the primary breadwinner in 41% of all families. So when they're saying, oh, most women are breadwinners, no. Most men are still the breadwinners, depending on the community. Obviously, in the black community, we just saw 65% of them in 2017 were, were single moms yeah. giving birth. So obviously, they're the primary breadwinners in the households. Yes. So in addition... Rising rates of unwed parenthood meant that a growing proportion of young women of marriageable age already have children from a prior relationship. Not only are married men, oh, sorry, not only are many men understandably reluctant to take the responsibility for someone else's child, but the single parent themselves have less time and perhaps less inclination to look for a new partner given their child care responsibilities and prior experience with relationships that did not work. And I love this point That's right a great here. Point. Yeah. He was literally saying that on one side, single men are reluctant to marry single women because they don't want to take the responsibilities of raising somebody else's child. But then also because of the, the, the demands the, the demand of being a single mother, the women are not even as open or desirable of, looking for another man. And on top of that, they've already been disappointed by one man, the, first time. The, the child of the father. Why would I want to put another man into this, into my life? Is, is there a current thing? That ha I mean, we talk about all the time, like, barely have time to date right now. Exactly. As a working person. Yeah. yeah you have a child and you have, you have to, nah. Exactly. <laughs> it's a lot. So women who had their first child outside of marriage are more likely to cohabitate and less likely to marry than comparable women without children. And when they do marry, they do not marry as well, i.e. their marital partners are less educated and older. 
So the sad reality is that these women are less likely to date long-term without ever being married, and they don't marry as well. So with these considerations in mind, so I'm going to scroll past that, with these considerations in mind, we examined the gender ratios that considered the employment of both men and women, as well as whether they are children from previous relationships as indicators of marriageability. So this is the point what he does now. Now he says, okay, with these factors in mind, let's see how many marriageable women are there. And what they find out, according to the next data, is that comparing men to women, so, so th this is really fascinating, but the, the 100 line in the middle is representing the male-to-female ratio. Yeah. Anything above means that there's more men. Anything below means that there's less, um, there's less men. So the best the, the data point that I'm going to talk about for the sake of this conversation is employ childless men to employ childless women. So what we're doing now is that we're applying the male and female standard to both gender. Right. So this, what women want from men, men also have to have that in themselves. And what, and what men want from women, they need to have that in themselves. Right. But this is the best indicator of that. So what they found out is that... Um, if you have a high school diploma, there's 257 more guys, to a, 257 to 100 women, when it comes to um, having a high school diploma. Some college, 154 men to 100 women. And college degree, there's 98 men to 100 women. And obviously, more women have college degrees than men. Yes. So, the, so then he goes race-wise race, race -wise in the black community. Now here's what, so this is the main point that I don't know why I might even cut out the other point because it's irrelevant. So here is really the crux of the argument. Yes. What he does now is he compares women who don't have children and have jobs to men who don't have children and who have jobs in the black community. Yes. So they're using the male standard to on the woman and the woman standard on the man. And then they're saying, if you have this standard, you also must have it. So if you're a man, you want, you want no kids, you need to have no kids. If you're a woman and you want a guy with a job, you need to have a job. Yeah. And what they find out, Francis, is in the black community, out of 100 women, how many men have jobs and don't have kids? 125 men. Yes. Yes. So there's 125 men to 100 women. So when women are like, oh, there's no guys. No. If you're using the standard of guys without kids and guys with jobs, compare that to women without kids and women with jobs, there's more men than women in yes. that group. And in the white community, it's 1.5 to 1. It's 154 to 100. So what people are, are going to see is that a lot of these rules that women are like, oh, there's no good men. First, you're not measuring yourself according to those standards. Exactly. And if you weigh yourself to your standards and their standards, there's actually way more men than women. So the, the no good men myth is not true yeah. in regards to sheer... If, if, it, if it meant, if it meant yeah. like, first off, they're not holding their own yeah. standards. Yeah. And, and then also what they demand from them, mm -hmm. they can't do. Exactly. So it's... Yeah. Exactly. So... Before, if you look at ratio of employed men to all women, which was Dr. Julius's survey, it's 51 men to 100 women. 
So before, if you're simply just talking about, oh, marriageable men and not using marriageable women is a 51 women, men to 100 women ratio. But then when you use a women and men standard, it's 125 men to 100 women ratio. Yeah. So, the, I, so it's harder for guys to find a marriageable woman than it is for women to find a marriageable man. And that is a spicy take of this data. Oh, yeah. And this is the data. It's just the data. Sources. <laughs> this is the data. We're not explaining to you what we're not explaining to you our reasons because he talks about it as well. But going off of the rawest definitions of marriageable men and marriageable women, this is the data. Yeah. This is the data. And then even to the point, men make more than women. So these so the average guy in this group is making more money than the average woman in this group. Yeah. So not like the guys, oh, these guys are broke. No, these guys have more money than these women. I think the number is in the black community, I, I might butcher this, 2017 ACS data said the average black man makes $38,000 compared to $33,000 that the woman makes. Yeah. So the, and I'm obviously that's not 100% sure, but that's probably the best estimate I can give off the top. So a lot of these ideas that are going on in society, as you guys are clearly seeing, are just not true at all. Once you start analyzing it, researching and doing the data, you find out that these things are very false. And the one stat, that, another thing I want to talk about real quick before we just, you know, dance around with the data and talk about what we want to talk about is the interracial marriage debate or conversation. Because a lot of people then will say, you know, um, black men don't marry black women. I mean, it's a hot narrative to Yeah, to and black... Uh, I just sent it to you right now, Francis. All right. Um, they say black men don't marry black women. And um, most black men want black women. So I want to show you something. So Pew Research is another one of these great think tanks. And um, as you guys know, Loving vs. Virginia was that landmark case which made, you know, interracial marriage legal. Mm -hmm. So you scroll all the way down to... Um, Right here. Mm -hmm. And what it's telling you, this is according to um, um, the Pew Research analysis of the tw of the 2014 2015 ACS survey, <laughs> guys. Hey, this is the best data. Everyone <laughs> is going back to the ACS surveys according to the Census Bureau, which is where we started off in, in the beginning of this conversation. And first thing that you will, um, will see is that. White women are the least likely to marry outside of their race. Wow. Okay. Today. <laughs> people, people don't know this. Yeah. The problem is, going back to the data, I love the data. <laughs> white women, there is approximately 100 million white women in America. So if 10% marry outside of their race, you have 10 million women marrying outside of their race. So it looks more compared to 12% of black women marrying outside of race and 12% of 21 million is probably like 2.3 million. So by number, there's obviously going to be more it number. Seems that way. But by percentage, white women are actually the least likely, likely to race. marry outside of the race. And black women, as spicy as this is, this is <laughs> are more likely to marry outside the race than white women are. Um, then you look at um, white men least likely as well. So the whites don't like <laughs> intermingling with the others. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's clear, and I want to bring it up, 
across every group, Hispanics, blacks, and Asians, is that um, all men marry outside of their race, pretty, in 20%. So the black men aren't the anomalies. They're, they're, they're relatively in the middle. Yeah. Relatively in the middle. Uh-huh. So they're not doing it as much. And still, 24% of black men marry outside of their race, which means 75% of them married a black woman. So the idea that black men are not marrying black women is also fa- false because clearly right here, you guys see from the Pew Research ACS data, the most objective data, majority of black men are married to black women. It is very easy to simply be like, oh, I'm on Shade Room and I see this NFL player and this rapper and this rapper said he loves white women and exotics. and all. That's the media. Remember what we said at the beginning? It goes back to the, the data you're looking at. Yes. Like, how are you analyzing data? Yes. Are you looking at the facts or your opinions? Exactly. And so it is clear as day right here that black men, majority of them, are marrying um, their same race. And what's really fascinating is that Asian women marry outside their race the most. And going back to the original data, they also have the highest marriage rates. Yes. And, and that, oh, we'll come together. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come together. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You see, they're married. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's our, it's our data, they're all getting married. So, and they, so they're not as picky yeah. as the other women in regards to race-wise. And so they're getting married. They're having kids within rates. married. They're having two household incomes, you know, and, and staying married. Staying married, the least, least, the least small, divorce. least divorce rate. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's it like, <laughs> so what you're seeing that the data is showing you is that there's things that you need to take care of in order to create the best stability in your in your household. It's I think it's really important, and as we're looking at all this data giving you the, the raw data. Obviously, we gave you some of our opinion about the data as we were examining it. But let's just go backwards and then jump in whenever you want to, and then we'll add to it as we can. Sure. So the first thing that is clear is that that's why Ben Shapiro always does that three things about to not going to poverty. He always says, well, there's three reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and his first reason is, you know, get a full-time job. Graduate high school, high school and don't have a kid outside of wedlock. Because what you will see is that the first thing that really affects a lot of people, especially in the black community, especially in America, is that as a woman, if you have a kid, you see clearly from the data, if you have a kid, you have a 23 point, I'm sorry, a, um, yes, 23.8% chance of having economic security. If you are a woman without a child, you have a 57.6% chance of having economic security. So that alone means the well-being of your family is less likely to happen. Because what happens, another fa- fun fact is the less, the more your expenses you have, the less you can save. Yeah. The less you can save, the less you can invest. The less you can invest, the, the less money that you can be bringing in in the future. Building over time. Yeah. And then you, and so you end up remaining in poverty, stagnant poverty over an extended period of time. So it's really, really important that the single motherhood ratio, for the, even for the well-being of the kids, this, needs, this trend needs to stop. Like, women need to see it as like, yo, like, economic security is really important for the well-being of the family. Because the point of this article was that they felt like 
this is the best to create. Obviously, there's other factors, yeah. you know, but this is one of the most important factors to have a stable household. And looking at the data, clear as day, the single motherhood data is the worst. You have very small chance. And that's why it's really important to be able to let women understand that. And then if you become a single mother, the likelihood of you, you getting married is slim because the, the most important factor to marriageable for men is no children. No children. So like the same way women want a guy with a job, men want a woman without a, a, ch a child. So And then logistics. If you're a single mother, mm -hmm. how much time do you have really yeah. to be looking out for another man? It's going to be challenging. Challenging. It's going to be challenging. So, and then if you don't have a family, if you don't have two partners, then what ends up happening to the your income level? It it gets small. You end up making the least amount of money. That's why you. That's why Asians make so much money. Obviously, they're making more money because of their jobs. But not only that, but there's two people. households. There's two, two people. people in the household making income. Exactly. It's just clear as day. Yes. So, I mean, we gave <laughs> we, we gave a lot of data. Yeah, okay? we gave a lot of data, and we gave like little little input as to yeah. our like reasons or what we think. It's, it's I mean, very little. Mm -hmm. It's more data than it is like yeah. explanation. Yeah. But you know, hopefully, they understood the gravity of this yeah. this data. Yeah. And my battery looks like it's dying, so I have to wrap this up a bit. And if it and if it dies, we'll charge it. We'll do this if again. It dies, it dies. <laughs> if it dies, it dies. <laughs> but the point of all this is one, obviously, to dispel a lot of the myths and to show people if you want to find information or find facts or find truths, make sure that you're believing things according to objective studies, or just say this is my opinion, it's how I feel. And you got to know your opinion and your feelings does not weigh in my anyone else's life besides your own. But it's also to expose the problem, but this is also to cultivate conversation about the solutions. How can we help all Americans, whether black or white, make more income in this country? How can we help all Americans, whether black, white, Asians, Hispanics, you know, experience marriage and healthier marriages? How can we remove single motherhood? How can we help the employment status? So all these things are like an x-ray to me. This episode is kind of doom and oh, gloomish, yeah. but it's an x-ray. <laughs> it's exposing the myriad of problems in America, and especially as black Americans, we're exposing a lot of the myriad of problems in black America. And if you know the facts, you can act accordingly. Exactly. Now you can act accordingly. Now you know what to do. Now you know how to improve. Now you know how to fix the community. Like I said, if you're a single mother, if you make less than $15,000 a year, if you are not married, if, you know, any of the data that we pulled out, we're not saying that you're lesser than. We're not attacking you. We're not attacking it's you. It's just data. We're just data, and we're just trying to help everybody, you know, not only learn the truth, but to have the most optimal lives. And there's no matter which obstacle you're going through today, there's always a possibility for a brighter and better future. Uh, my name is Hafiz. And I'm Francis. And we are the roommates, guys. I know there's going to be a lot of comments below. As always, make sure you comment below. If you have obje objections, remember, please, please, please provide links as well as objective data, <laughs> not your feelings. Uh, share the podcast as always. Thank you so much, and have a great day.